Hey, folks, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show, we are talking about humor and how it can help us cope with the troubles life throws at us. And obviously, in the spirit of good humor, I have this uh, wonderful joke that I would just like to share. You guys ready for this? Let's hear it. Hey, uh, do you know why tennis players never marry? Why? Uh, because love means nothing to them. Oh. <laughs> Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. After top GOP lawmakers proposed a plan to avoid the fiscal cliff yesterday, President Obama is reiterating he will not sign any deal that does not raise taxes on the wealthy. The Republican plan would raise federal revenue by closing tax loopholes, which would force wealthy Americans to pay more, but allow them to keep the same tax rate. The president says he is open to discuss closing loopholes, but avoiding the fiscal cliff has to include a tax increase on the top earners. While President Obama, with President Obama rebutting the latest plan, officials on Capitol Hill are no closer to a solution to avoid the fiscal cliff, which is now less than a month away. A United Nations treaty designed to ban discrimination against disabled people was struck down by the Senate today. The treaty failed to be ratified by a mere five votes. Both President Obama and former Senator Bob Dole supported the measure, but many Republicans opposed it on the basis that it could make it much easier for people to get abortions and more difficult for families to homeschool their disabled children. As President Obama prepares for his second term, Republican Senator Chuck Hagel appears to be on the short list to be the next Secretary of Defense. The two men are believed to have met this week to discuss the possibility, which would give the president's reshuffling cabinet a more bipartisan feel. So far, there is no indication that President Obama has made a final decision, but he is expected to announce his nominations for both the Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of State positions within the next two weeks. The Illinois State Senate has voted to allow illegal immigrants to get driver's licenses. Only Washington State and New Mexico currently allow illegals to get a license, but Utah provides illegal drivers with a permit. Republican lawmakers in Illinois voiced their support for the measure after losing the Hispanic vote overwhelmingly to Democrats in the November 6th election. There are around 2 million Hispanics in the state and an estimated 250,000 illegal immigrants. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program every day to help you and your loved ones grow healthier, happier lives. You know, we really want to try to give you a better view of the world. And uh, one of the goals of the show is to help you get a leg up. Maybe give you some tools, some ideas, some skills that can get you this through this crazy thing we call life. And we always like to start with our news, but before we go there... I just got them all excited, then I pulled it back. Before we go there, we've got a show that uh, is going to make you laugh. Do you guys know what puns are? I'm sure you don't. Teach me, Matt. They're punny. Uh, What's a pun? (laughs) Catherine, you know. Give us like your best. I mean, what's a pun? It's a clever little phrase that is a play on words, but usually um, people groan. 
That's usually when it's you know groan. it's a pun. <laughs> a good pun, people groan. It's like a hit in the gut. If someone hits you in the gut and it's a good hit in the gut, you groan. <laughs> it's like that. So did you guys hear about the guy whose uh, whole left side went numb? What happened? Oh, he's all right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you guys didn't groan. You both, you both went high. Like, ah. that like, see, that's okay, fake, fake laugh. laugh. Okay. Fake laugh fake also laugh. So I, throughout the show, I'm going to use some puns. And I'm, you're not going to know when I'm going to use them. I'm just going to throw them in. Okay. Then, you know, that way you get the effect for the listeners. They get the effect that I'm just ad-libbing punnery. Oh, okay. Okay. Good. Anyway, so I uh, lied to an x-ray technician. Yeah? Yeah, he saw right through me. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. So we're going to be on the show talking about humor. Now, this may not even constitute humor. Mm, probably not. It, they're puns. But we got them off the internet, so they're pretty hip. And, um, hey, did I, uh, I, I tried the other day, uh, writing with a pencil, you know, but it was pointless. Mm. Sad. Uh, <laughs> grown. What's grown? Uh, <laughs> we're running out of punch. Um, so anyway, we're going to get into that. We're going to be bringing on our resident expert of humor and they're going to teach us how, uh, how humor heals. And hopefully we can all heal from these funny puns. But you know what? Just what's great about it is I have hundreds of them. The neat thing about a pun is you, you can get millions of them, but they're not funny. And puns are nice because they never get old. Well, they did pretty fast while you were gone, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> we did three of them, and then they got really old. <laughs> so anyway, we'll keep pushing them until something breaks. Uh, now, we're going to do the news. Now, the news, of course, is where we like to do the human factor. We like to, like, you know, celebrate the great humans in life, maybe laugh at some of those that are struggling about certain problems that they're trying to get over, maybe just being silly, uh, maybe making a mistake that cost them a lot of money. Or, you know, we can talk about culture. We can talk about other countries that have got really weird laws that I'm going to bring up. Do any of you have news about the human factor? Well, if you're talking about people that kind of embarrass themselves, um, I don't have the article with me right now, but I just read about a girl who, she's 19, and she stole a car and robbed a bank. And then she made a video that night of her bragging about and showing like all the money that she oh, stole. Brilliant. And she put it on YouTube. Oh, yeah. And well, just, why wouldn't you? And then, of course, a little while later, she got arrested. Well, you know why? Because that'll kill you. Um, you can't... videotape that one and put it on YouTube? <laughs> Here I am getting arrested. This is me getting arrested. Here's my first arraignment hearing. Uh, isn't that interesting? Yeah. You don't, you don't put your arrest on YouTube, though. You use Instagram for that. Oh, oh that's right. right. <laughs> yeah, or Pinterest. You want to pin that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, see, that's a good example of somebody, you know, just not being a good human. <laughs> that is a fail. That is a human that fail. probably ought not. It was her continue. confession. She was feeling guilty. Subconsciously, her, yeah. her subconscious was trying to get it out. And what faster way than you two? It's got to be fun if she decides to go f- hardcore and plead not guilty. And then they play that tape at the trial. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you can't prove that was mine. Just because it was on my phone, and then I uploaded it. Maybe my brother did it. Do you have a brother, Stacy? Plausible. No, I don't. <laughs> Maybe my mother did it. My mother's not alive. Um, so, okay, great story, Skyboy. And you related to this person? Um, Why? I'm actually not related. Oh, I thought you were talking about your sister or cousin or relative or somebody. No. I think it was Madison. It actually looked a lot <gasps> like Madison. Where is Madison? I don't know. Maybe she got arrested. You know what? It could have been her. We need to check. 
No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't Madison. It wasn't Madison. (laughs) Okay, who else has got some news for us? More things to get you into legal trouble. Oh, good. Tiny town in, I believe, South Dakota decided they wanted to ban a lot of cell phone use in cars. They wanted to have a municipal ordinance since they felt the state laws weren't adequate at trying to keep law and order in their town. Wow. But the way they wrote it was uh, restrictive enough that it doesn't just ban using your phone. (laughs) It doesn't even ban just texting on your phone or using an app on your phone. It also bans reading a newspaper while you drive. And Billboard. according to the mayor, uh, it also bans eating pizza. Wow. Just pizza? So french fries are okay, right? No, just eating in general. Oh. You can't even eat while you're driving. This is in a small town in South Dakota. And it makes Do me Do they have wonder. a big problem? Do you – certain municipal ordinances, you have to post some kind of a warning to people coming through town. You know, speed trap towns, for instance, right. have to put 35-mile-an-hour zone in 500 feet, 35-mile-an-hour zone, and school zone, all the little signs you have to put up to at least give a motorist a fair fight so they don't yeah. just go to court and say, well, I didn't know and get the case dismissed, Right. right. What kind of a sign do you put up for this ordinance? Because I'm picturing posted, <laughs> no eating. Yeah. I don't no. know. Yeah. And how do you post it? Because then you're reading while you're driving, which is really their problem. Yeah. I mean, that's as bad so as So maybe paper, what they need right? is everyone to pull over before you enter the city. Everyone pulls over well, you and they, have it, they explain it at the city border. And it, Well, I'm saying the sign will have to be as ambiguous as – no eating allowed yeah. because you get many more words than that and yeah. it's as bad as reading See, a newspaper. See, I think they're trying article. to capture a certain group of people, those rascally teens. Out, out of towners is I think. The out of towners <laughs> that are going to text their way through or they might be they might be like Amsterdam. Have you heard of this? What's going on in Amsterdam? Well, this is where you're going to wish you lived in a South Dakota small town because in Amsterdam, they are creating scum villages. Scum villages. I thought that was all of Amsterdam. Oh. <laughs> That's only parts of it. Hey, man, man Skyler's just going to get uh, used today. In Amsterdam, they have these scum villages where nuisance neighbors and antisocial tenants will be exiled from the city and rehoused in caravans or containers with minimal services under constant police supervision. So if you're a bad neighbor, or a social misfit, which basically <laughs> constitutes our whole team. We would all be banished to Scumville, Scum Villages, and we will be under police watch living in a, in a, a container, a, a, like a shipping container. How strict are they on their definition of being a misfit? Well, it's really interesting. It's people that have repeat offenses with their neighbors. Apparently in Amsterdam, 13,000... Uh, um, complaints of antisocial behavior, antisocial behavior are the words they use. So every no one year. brings over cookies yes. every other day. I, I've and... lived here for three weeks and nobody said hi. There's a complaint. But apparently, <laughs> this is leading to a lot of money being spent, and these repeat offenders, they believe, should be forcibly removed from the neighborhood, sent to the scum village, uh, and put where all the trash, no, put so out so all the trash is together. This is the mayor of. The city. That's what he said? Put mm-hmm. all the trash together? Put wow. all the trash together. The aim is not to reward people who behave badly with a new five-room home with a south-facing garden. This is supposed to be a deterrent. So they don't want people that are socially, you know, backwards to um, go 
succeed and have a big five-bedroom house, which I guess is probably provided by the country. I was about to right? say free housing. Do they pay so for your food as well because you're antisocial and can't go well, buy Well, yeah, but, it's the, but the food's not that great. Well, the, the, the amenities are not that great. So no. you're getting your house, but if you're not going to comport right, then you're going to be shipped off to the scum village. Well, beyond sounding just downright un-American in my opinion. Which it is again, Rob. This is Amsterdam. It sounds to me like this social experiment has been tried once before. It seemed like there was a period of time in history <laughs> where you had a society that wanted to maintain law and order and certain people were kind of criminal and didn't fit in well. And so they boarded them all up in a boat and kind of dumped them off on their own island. Australia. (laughs) There are going to be neighborhoods where there's bobbies and shrimp and all kinds of fun stuff going on. And they flourished. Yeah. Did they live in containers Some argue maybe even better than the original neighborhood. Absolutely. How could it not be? The problem with this is um, – do you remember that Amsterdam is also known though for being really soft on some of the societal uh, illegal things like prostitution and drugs? So mm-hmm. isn't it ironic? We'll get rid of the social misfit that doesn't mow his lawn I guess and puts his car up on uh, blocks. But we won't do that with the it's, it's Amsterdam. They're putting their bicycle on blocks. Their bicycle up on blocks. <laughs> so I'm just letting you know that because if that's the way this world's going, you know, maybe that's the way we shape this group up a bit. You said they're under watch, right? Yes. Police watch. So 24-hour supervision from social workers, by the way, and police officers. So is it just like a nicer name for prison? It's it's a prison. It's a container prison. It's a container prison. We – we actually have places like this in the United States. We just don't call them scum villages. What do we call them? Uh, we have city names, but we're not naming any oh, okay. of those cities. <laughs> but we have – there. I mean we just kind of – this would be all of these uh, low-income housing that they just throw people in and they're not – they just kind of forget about them. So it's a nice prison kind of. No. It's not? No. These are containers. These are real like – There's right now they're testing it with 10 containers, like shipping containers, big empty steel boxes. And they they live in the steel box. Well, yeah, but you get a couch. Hello. A little heat. Okay. Just letting you know, you guys, this world's falling apart. That's why we – there's no room for scum villages. Well, as long as the people could watch TV and text and tweet, then they would fit right in. Um, Oh, boy. I have a study here done by um, Nelson Company, and um, they tested people's use on Twitter while they watch TV. And according to this study, um, they show a 27% increase from only five months of people watching TV and tweeting at the exact same time. Really? It's gone up 25% in five months. months. That's scary. So we can't even just veg. Do you remember when we used to get yelled at because we were vegging? Is all you do is watch TV? Now you can say, no, I also tweet. At the same time. This is multitasking in all of its glory. That's great. Often I come home and my roommates are watching TV and playing computer games at the same time. For those that are sitting out. Yeah, I guess. That's a lot of stimulation. Multitasking. You know, when I grew up, we just used to talk. What? Yeah. You didn't just text each other while you sat on the couch? Sounds so boring. No, there was no texting. We would talk. Sometimes we'd actually play a game. Ugh. On your phones, like words with a board, friends? No, a board game. <laughs> in, in a blue moon, though, it, I, I would imagine with your dating, it would get kind of awkward because it, it's really hard to ask a, 
girl out in person, and it's a little easier on the phone, but it's tough. But without texting, it was difficult. So Matt would have to go get on his bicycle, oh, yeah. ride down to the grocery store to uh, Western Union. Yeah, the little send kiosk, a telegram. And send a telegram. To no, the no, girl. this was actually I. I was a horse. I got on my horse, and we galloped down to the mercantile, and then we send it out in Western Union. But steed. You'd have to plan your dates weeks in advance no, actually, because you had to give the girl time to no, Western Union that's back. That's why back then we used to have arranged marriages. Ah. Uh, then so you that's how you got Then made. the parents, when they were in town, we, they could talk, and then we'd know when our next date was. <sighs> Can you imagine if people could just veg on the couch and send Western Unions how back and forth? do you think I am? <laughs> you think I'm that old? Well, you were born in 1890. 69. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> kind of scary. Hey, you guys, uh, do you need an arc? Because <laughs> I know a guy. <laughs> oh. Hey, did I tell you the oh, other day I, I got hit with a can of soda? I did. I got hit with a can of soda right in the old cabeza. But you know what? That's okay. It was a soft drink. <laughs> Thanks, Catherine. You're welcome. Uh, that was a really, you meant that laugh, though. You really, that was a real laugh, kind of. Kind of. Um, Hey, did you guys hear about that new bring, that new broom that came out? Hmm? That new broom. There's a new broom that came out. It's oh, yeah? sweeping the nation. Oh. oh. <laughs> you know what, you guys? The greatest thing about this is I have literally hundreds of these. So you would think I would get tired of them, but I'm not. I feel very sorry for a listener who just for the first time ever made it up here to the higher channels of 143 yeah. and they come by oh BYU BYU let's see what Hi, they classy. have to offer you know what here's something straight from BYU radio what do you call a cow with no legs this should seem obvious ground beef oh <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway it's... welcome to channel 143 143 BYU radio this is the morning show <laughs> Just blame them with Marcus Smith. Uh, no, this is the Matt Townsend show, and we're talking today humor, the healing uh, benefits of humor. We're going to be taking a break when we come back. We're going to get into it. Start looking at the research. We're going to let you listen to some of the fun things that come off of BYU TV, and we're going to be bringing on an expert to help us walk through this uh, crazy thing called humor. You're listening to the Matt Townsend show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The Navy explores a humanoid robot that could fight fires on ships. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. A team at the Naval Research Laboratory is designing the Shipboard Firefighter of the Future. Called the Shipboard Autonomous Firefighting Robot, or SAFR, the robots would be trained to interact with humans and quickly react to fires that erupt aboard ships. They'll be able to go anywhere on the ship that a sailor can reach with the ability to handle extinguishers and hoses as a human firefighter would. Safer is expected to be autonomous and self-guiding with a suite of sensors to see through smoke, flame, and darkness. It will also be able to stabilize to handle the rolling motion of a ship at sea. The lower section of the firefighting robot will be designed for high mobility in the narrow and twisting environment of ship corridors, watertight doors, and ladders. And a battery pack will run the unit for at least 30 minutes. 
Testing of the design begins on a retired Navy surplus ship in 2013. If it works out, expect a demand for something like the software system on commercial passenger liners and cargo ships in the future. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. There's an answer to every question, a solution to every problem. Join a group of leading scholars and experts in the conversation about practical and constructive solutions to today's societal issues. BYU's Wheatley Forum shares motivating and inspiring ideas on the present and future of our world today. Join us on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, <laughs> to the Matt Townsend Show. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so Bryce Tobin's in the room. And it's the explosion. Is that what that was? Yeah. So Bryce comes up to pull up his cut number on, on our little board thing, and he accidentally presses the explosion hotkey <laughs> twice. <Jeez>. Um, <laughs> hold on. Hold on. In my defense, apparently if you're touching one monitor, it takes away your keyboard screen thing on the other monitor. Oh. Now we know. <laughs> now, right? well, now, now we know. We know. <laughs> now, <laughs> hey, hey, Bryce, I, I, have I told you... Um, have I told you that I was going to go look for my missing watch, you know? Uh-huh. But I couldn't find the time. <laughs> oh, you're going to find that. <laughs> anyway. Did you just do that? I just made that up off your oh. list. Um, <laughs> anyway, we're talking humor and the healing uh, help from humor. Yesterday while we were getting ready for this show, we all looked over on BT's uh, computer. That's Bryce Tobin's. And he always, for some odd reason, is looking at little animals. Um, just on, on his – that's his screensaver, tend to be animals. He has lots of kitten stuff. He's very much into the kittens. And uh, we, we sent Madison Allred after it to try to figure out why uh, he – you know, why he thinks animals, babies are so hilarious. Here's what she found. We all have something that makes us laugh. For my mom, it is the Charlie Bit Me video on YouTube. She seriously busts up every time that she hears it and cannot stop laughing for about five minutes. For me, it is this one cat video on YouTube called Cats Jump Fail with Music. It seriously makes me laugh hysterically every time. If you want to look it up, type in the words Cat Sail Awol Nation. It is truly worth 36 seconds of your time. It is so funny. It even makes me tear up a little bit because I am just laughing so hard. As people tell me what makes them laugh, I find something in common with most stories. They all have to deal with animals or babies. So why is that? I think that it is because they cannot help it. Everything is innocent and accidental, and because they did not do it with the intention of being funny, it just makes it even more hilarious. Even when they think that something is funny, like the video of the baby laughing, it used to be the most watched video on YouTube because everyone thought that it was just hilarious how much fun this baby is having. The most watched clips on YouTube that are not professionally produced are videos of babies and animals. There was a whole industry in this, as evidenced by the TV show America's Funniest Home Videos that has been going on since 1989. People love it and think that babies and animals are just hilarious. So next time that you need to pick me up, 
Just go onto YouTube and type in your favorite animal. I'm sure you will find a pretty funny video that can brighten your day. Oh, yes. You got to love it. Uh, kittens. I mean, you can't get enough kitten uh, video clips on YouTube for Bryce Tobin. <laughs> they just they fall asleep at anything. Well, yeah. And you, I mean, every time I walk in, you're like, oh, look at this one, Matt. This one's so cute. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. He's really brought to peace. Cuteness. Tell That's... me about what's the other animal you like? You always There's one that's floating on its back and holding hands with other. Um, that would be an otter. Okay. If you must know, I saw another picture uh, of an otter holding a newborn baby otter. And the caption said, I made this. And I had to turn it <laughs> off and go like play basketball or something. I had to do something manly. Wow, yeah. <laughs> you might want to just leave your man card right here. Right. Hey, gonna... did I uh, did I tell you the other day, I, w- I wondered when the sun would arise. You, you know? did? Yeah, I did, and then it dawned on me. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, uh, so anyway, I was sitting there the other day, and I made friends with this mushroom, you know? Uh-huh. Oh, he was a fun guy. <laughs> that one's actually pretty good. <laughs> That's a good one. Anyway, you know what? These don't end. No, these well, don't end. Actually, they do. Well, they do. <laughs> We've only got a hundred, and I've already gone through thirty. Um, so here's what we're gonna do. On BYU TV, uh, there is a great show called Studio C. Have you guys seen it? No. Hilarious. So these are a bunch of in-house sketch comedy kind of actors, right? And they come out and they just make fun of things. Anyway, you kind of have to hear it to enjoy it. So we're going to give you a little taste of BYU Television, Studio C. You can catch this, this show Monday nights on BYU TV. But here is a sketch they call Dead Wedding which is a young man who recently engaged to a girl of his dreams, goes to the park, right? That's where he's meeting up with what he thought was his wedding planner. Unfortunately, the wedding planner shares the same first name as the funeral director who thinks this young man is planning a funeral for his grandmother. I uh, just want to again express my condolences. Oh, oh, you mean yesterday? I I was was kind of freaking out, but I'm good now, so. Well, it's sweet of you to do this for her, but... You don't need to deny feelings of mourning. Most people go through the same thing. I I guess I'm normal then. Just kind of came by surprise, you know. It often does. Kind of wish you wouldn't spring things on me like this. Well, sometimes these things can be difficult to plan. Yeah. It is difficult to plan. I mean, I tried to make it happen on my own. I just... I, I couldn't do it. You mean you tried to make it happen before her time was up? Oh, yeah. You mean her deadline? Um, I'm sorry. I'm sure you're under a lot of stress right now. Why don't we just move on to the details? Okay. um, Let's see. Her first rule is no one else wears white. Okay. That's not a problem. Our employees typically wear black. Why don't you just tell me about some of your expectations? Okay. uh, So we want it to be big. So we need to accommodate a lot of people? It's got to be the party of the century, Matt. (laughs) So you want to focus on celebrating the life she had? So we'll need a really good DJ. Okay. Well... Usually people just put on some light, beautiful music before the ceremony. Well, yeah, beforehand. That's perfect. Uh, But once the priest stops talking and I've kissed her, we want to part. You want to kiss her as part of the ceremony? Well, yeah, that's the part where I show everyone, you know, how much we mean to each other. I'm not sure that's the best time. To let everyone know that there was uh, 
something going on between the two of you? Well, to be perfectly honest with you, man, I'm pretty sure everyone already knows. And they support you in this? Well, yeah, I mean, she gets along great with my family. My grandpa practically loves her. So how did you end up with her? Well, it's a kind of funny story, actually. So she was over at our house, and uh, she was sitting over in the corner there with grandpa, <laughs> practically flirting with him. And um, I, I was sitting there, and I, I watched them. I just thought, I have to be with that girl. <laughs> Boom. Love. Yes. And besides, she's, she's got a real cute-looking figure, if you know what I mean. <laughs> huh? oh, to each his own. <laughs> Okay, come on, Matt, uh, Matthew. <laughs> she's, she's really a cutie. You'll see. When you see her next week, trust me, you'll think the same thing. Oh, next week? Uh, James, by next week, her body is going to be uh, different. What are you talking about? I'm, I'm sure you already know this, but not too long after this happens, her body will begin to decay. I was afraid of that. You know, people cope using many different methods. Well, I mean, maybe in her case it'll be different, you know? Sometimes they last longer. That's true. Uh, I think I have enough to get started. How about I call you when I have the preliminaries in oh, place? Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. I could not do this without you. BYU Radio is your home for Cougar sports. And after each weekend's action, don't miss True Blue. Each week, join hosts Dave McCann and the entire True Blue team as they bring you highlights, analysis, and interviews from all the major BYU sports. New episodes air every Monday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time with repeats Tuesdays at 12.30 p.m. and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Here on the home of Cougar sports, Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Authorities in Iran are claiming they've captured a U.S. drone as it entered Iranian airspace. However, U.S. naval officials say they haven't lost any such craft. State-run media in Iran were first to report the capture, citing Iranian Revolutionary Guard sources. According to the IRG, the drone is a Scan Eagle. The U.S. naval response says that no Scan Eagle drones have been lost at any time in recent history. Other nations in the region, including the United Arab Emirates, also operate Scan Eagle drones. Egyptian protesters are clashing with police in Cairo once again, leading President Mohamed Morsi to leave the palace while things calm down. Police fired tear gas into crowds of over 10,000 protesting against President Morsi's new push for a constitutional referendum next week. The new wave of protests has been dubbed Morsi's last chance by the protesters after the president of just five months gave a decree expanding his powers on November 22nd. NATO is deploying missiles to Turkey as part of a new effort to force Syrian President Bashir Assad to step down. The news comes just a day after President Barack Obama warned the Syrian regime that severe consequences would follow any threat of chemical warfare in the ongoing civil war. 
While rumors have spread that a Syrian chemical weapons stash is on the move, state-run media there openly states that even if such weapons existed in the regime arsenal, they would never be used under any circumstances. Marine Corps General Joseph Dunford is set to take over as the top commander in Afghanistan at the start of next year, where he will face a unique set of challenges. Dunford is charged with winding down the international military involvement in a country he has little experience with, using a strategy he had no part in creating. Dunford will be the fifth commander in Afghanistan since President Obama took office, which concerns some Afghan war analysts. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Guys, come quick, it's Dana. What happened? She's dead. Dana's dead? As a doornail. What'd she do? She was diving into a deep ditch and did a double flip. Dana Diggs was diving? Wasn't Dana digging Doug's garden? No, Dylan digs Doug's garden. Dana digs Drake's garden. Yes, but then she went deep ditch diving. I drained the deep ditch but didn't see Dana. Dudes, don't despair. Dana didn't die deep dish diving. She was trying to draw drowsy ducks down by Dairy Queen, downing a dilly bar in her Dodge Dakota. Dana drawing drowsy ducks? Did she do drugs? I doubt it was Dana. She doesn't do well down at Dairy. Or trying <sighs> drowsy ducks. Oh. Dude, don't you dare doubt me like that. Dana! Dana! Hey, guys. Oh, after you did drugs and deep ditch dove, I drained the deep ditch, didn't see you, decided you died deep ditch diving, but a Dodge Dakota and a dilly bar were driving by DQ, but I doubt it, because don't you dislike downing dairy and drawing drowsy ducks? <gasps> that is Brigham Young, uh, BYU TV's own Studio C. It's a show um, where they have this great group of uh, sketch, in-house sketch comedians, I guess we're calling them, actors. Uh, Mallory, Jason, Matt, Whitney, and what they do is they just poke fun at all the funny, scary, and relevant human experiences. It's a hilarious comedy um, event. You got to take your family. Go check it out. BYU TV Studio C. It's Monday nights on Brigham Young uh, University Television. So we're trying to talk humor today, and I don't I don't know if you guys heard this, but um, the other day uh, I saw a cow that uh, just gave birth. Did you know that? You know what they call a cow that just gave birth? Tell us. Um, decaffeinated. <laughs> <laughs> See, don't you just feel You're better s- with these jokes? Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys hear about that cartoonist, though, today that they found that was dead? I, I did not yeah, hear about well, that. Yeah, well, they did. It, the details are still sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even hold it back. Okay, this time I'm going to do one, and I want you to try to hold it back. Okay. Try to hold the snort, the chortle. Okay? You too, especially Skyboy. Um, hey, uh, so what did you guys, what did the sea say to the beach? Do you guys know? Nothing, what, what did it the just sea? waved. Oh, no! Hey, 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 hey. Wait, was I right? Hold, 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 hold. <laughs> rule, rule. What? Don't steal my thunder. <laughs> Don't steal my thunder, man. Was I right? Yeah. Really? You were right, okay? Wow. You must have gone to scout camp and had pun fest. <laughs> Pun fest. <laughs> Pun fest. They have one of those. That sounds camp. so bad. Yeah, it is. Um, I've got another one, but Skyboy. Okay. Don't I'm steal sorry. the thunder. I won't steal the thunder. I know where you sleep. <laughs> um, okay. So a, a golfer bought two pairs of pants. You know why? Why? Just in case he got a hole in one. Oh. Ooh. You okay? <laughs> Who did that? That sound painful. Was that you, Rob? Yeah, and it, that was kind of painful. Yeah, you need to take that out. So, um, 
Humor heals. Don't you feel better? I always feel better after like like the laugh that like you cried a lot yeah. and your abs hurt yeah, I, and yeah. like you got a stitch abs, in your back. Ouch. And it's, that's how you know it's good. All right. I always feel better. See, that's interesting because I don't have any of those feelings. when I, I should a, probably see a doctor. You should. I think you've got a hernia. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not a doctor. Hasn't well, you are a doctor, oh, but you're not a medical true. one. A you are a doctor. You I forgot. forgot. Sometimes I, forgot. You forget. I am a doctor, and you need. You've got a hernia. All right, I well. can see it from over here. And so, uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring on a real uh, helper that's going to walk us through why humor is so healing. Uh, his name is Dr. – not Dr. Sorry, Matt. I keep hanging that on you. Matthew Barkdale, licensed marriage family therapist and a med- – uh, I, I guess I call a medical family therapist. He works with people that are trying to heal physically, and he has learned the power of um, humor and a little laughter and how it just brings back a lot of great benefits. Okay, so we're going to bring Matt on. Matt, are you with us? <laughs> I am with me. Are you with me? I'm with me. Hey, did I uh, did I tell you? Because I know you're a therapist and all. Have you ever heard about those magazine hoarders? <laughs> you guys have been having way too much fun. Yeah. this. that's well, all I can say. Yeah. Well, anyway, you know, magazine hoarders. I yeah. don't think I have. No. Yeah. Well, they have a lot of issues. Oh, geez. oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. You know, um, you, got, you just can't compete with my stash that I've got. So I know. I'm sorry, I, that's why we're going to just turn it over to you. No, Be- no, no. That's okay. Hal. Because the humor really helps. I mean, it, it really <laughs> helps us heal, doesn't it? You know, it's amazing. Humor is one of the best things. And it's funny because a lot of times people, you know, it's, it's not a laughing matter. We, we can't laugh about that. You know, that, that's a very serious uh, issue. And, of course, there are serious issues that come up. But there are times and seasons when there isn't a time to laugh. Right. But we have to couple it with times where, you know, let's make a little bit of lightheartedness about that. Not at anybody's expense. Right. But sometimes we just have to giggle. Well, and yeah, because I mean, like, did you hear the did you hear the scenario that uh, Studio C from BYU TV did about the wedding planner and the the mistake between the wedding planner and the um, mortician? Did you hear that? I mean, but that's a pretty good example. So you don't really mess with, you know, bridezilla if they exist. And you also don't really mess with the death of somebody. You can't you can't joke too much about it, except ironically, a little stress reliever is really what we need in both places, isn't it? Sometimes that is just the stress reliever we need. My wife and I, when we were growing up, um, growing up after we were married, how's that? (laughs) Hopefully we were growing up by that time. Uh, We were just poor little, you know. Mice. Yeah, church Didn't mice. have any money to our name. And, you know, <clears throat> we were trying to figure out what to do for the evening. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden we got this brilliant idea. Just said, you know what, let's pop some popcorn. And, oh, that's a great idea. So we went to the cupboard, no popcorn. No <laughs> you were popcorn. so poor you didn't have popcorn. We, we, we didn't have popcorn, and I, we couldn't believe it. And so we just started laughing hysterically that we didn't have any popcorn. It was the stupidest thing in the world to uh, laugh over, but we just started doing that. And then we just started making fun of ourselves even more, just saying, you know what, why don't we take a dollar or a quarter, you know, put it in the bank, earn some interest, and in three years we can, you know, melt some butter over our popcorn. I mean, it, it was Over time, you're going to get one, enough money to do this. It was just one thing after another that uh, it's just amazing that... 
one thing that just can lead to somebody just absolutely hurting and being depressed to just laughing hysterically. I mean, it's the dumbest thing to tell because it just isn't funny until you were actually there because, right. you know, we, we just had to make something light out of it or else we would have just driven ourselves nuts. Well, and really, yeah. And, and yesterday we had on the show um, a wonderful man that had been involved in a tragic accident where he had fallen asleep and in the uh, the, the accident ended up taking the life of his wife and his son. Oh. And so, I mean, I mean, you can't just go laughing about that, except I'm assuming over the many, many months that he was, he talked a lot about his brothers. And, but, I mean, they have to heal. And healing, I mean, it's almost like humor is, is just starting to, it's, I don't know, there's something about it. And I guess some of it's chemical, though, really, right? Tell us, oh. what are the chemical benefits of it, just in and of itself? You know, you, you would think that laughing is just laughing. Right. It's not. It it actually is something what we call coping mechanisms. Now, again, there comes a time when we know when or when not to, but laughter, there there's this chemical in our body. Okay, we we talk about hormones, right? right? Okay, the good old hormones that men and women have. There's a certain hormone that's called serum cortical. That's a hormone that's released during the stress response. Okay? Laughter has been shown uh, through research that it reduces that. So, so if I'm stressed, then the serum cortical hits in, kicks in, mm-hmm. and I start to feel, I guess, the, what are the real feelings of stress, anxiety, tension. And you're saying exactly. laughter actually reduces that stress chemical. It reduces it. If you can find something, now again, a forced laugh or just, you know, trying to make yourself giggle or something like that, it's not quite. Kind of like what's been going on with my people around me. They've all been fake laughing. Well, that's the thing. Well, the thing is, is that there's still a response there. That's true. Okay. There's still a response. And even if you don't feel like laughing, you just kind of shake your head and just kind of go off and just say, oh, brother, that was crazy. I don't care how you respond to that. All of a sudden, just a little bit of stress was reduced. However, you know, you can't expect that if you force yourself or if you force yourself to laugh during a very serious situation, that can be detrimental. But when you're put in a position where you can just find, try and find something a little bit light, to enjoy, you can actually reduce the amount of stress that you receive yeah. if you're able to actually find something funny. Sometimes I, I work in a very serious environment because I'm working with medical cases all day right. and mental health cases that are just really, really severe. Every once in a while, I get on and just find, uh, you know, most of the time they're clean. I have to make sure that I don't get into something too crazy, but I just have to laugh just a little bit. I just need yeah. to find somebody to do that with because, you know, it's just essential that you do well, that. Well, if, if you ever need help, you can call our office because Bryce Tobin, he really likes laughing at cats. So Does you he just, like laughing at cats? I don't know because they just startle really easy and they well, fall into water and they don't like it. Stuff like that. Oh, boy. Boy, yeah, you're going to get cat lovers calling in your show. And we don't mean like any that. harm. It's all on YouTube and well, no animals were harmed in the watching of our YouTube videos. Actually, I did learn a little something. I don't know if anybody knew, but, uh, you know, do you, do you know where Napoleon kept his armies? No, where? In his sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, you know, I'm serious. No, I, it's, a, it's a historical fact. I you did know, tell I did. you, I told you about that car, that the guy that drove his car into a tree, right? Uh, I don't think, I, I think I missed that one. No, yeah, he wanted to see how his Mercedes bends. Oh, gosh. 
There you go. <laughs> anyway, see, I'm feeling good already. I usually oh, feel a little you. stressed when I do the show, but I think we've laughed enough, even fake laughing, uh, that the serum cortical cortical is, has dropped a bit. Now, there's oh, wow. other chemicals, right, at play? Yes. Uh, have you heard of uh, immunoglobin? Yes, but I don't like to talk about it. Yeah, you don't. Okay, I don't think anybody does. What is that? That's an antibody. Huh. It's an antibody that helps fight upper respiratory disease. Okay? Interesting, right. yeah. Guess what happens? Laughter increases your that immune antibody. system. Yes. Yeah, it helps your, it's an immunoglobin antibody that actually helps fight upper respiratory which, disease. Which is like every cold, right? Yeah, well, it's a cold. It's stuff like that. I mean, if you can, again, forcing yourself to laugh is one thing, but uh, just being around and making things light, it's, it's, it's really kind of amazing that uh, there are certain chemicals in your body that are actually enhancing the way that we are able to uh, heal from things. Oh, that's you great. Know, the laughter increases tolerance to pain. Hmm. You know, laughter increases uh, our heart rate, our pulse rate, and it actually juggles, and you can see this when you laugh, it juggles the internal organs. Now, that doesn't seem like a good thing. That Well, it doesn't seem like a good thing, but... Uh, I guess there's something good the, about juggling the, better the, the heart rate. Well, no, you're right, but the, but the increase in our heart rate and our pulse rate, yeah. you know, I'm, we're not, maybe not everybody, but, you know, that's yeah. actually the more oxygen you flow throughout your body, uh, the more the better you feel. It's kind of almost like an exercise that you're doing with your yourself. But when you're kind of juggling and when you're kind of you know, getting our blood moving around our system, it, it's actually a positive thing. It really is a lot, I guess, like it's like a workout. I mean, I've gone to dinner with people where we've laughed so hard, you know, I didn't eat much. <laughs> or where you've laughed so hard that your face hurt. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that's, yeah, oh, yeah. that's got to be good for you. Oh, it is good. And, you know, I always like quoting Khalil Gibran, the uh, yeah. famous Middle Eastern author of The Prophet, you know, he said a great quote. He said, you know, the self-same well, you know, kind of like a water well, the safe same, pardon me, the self-same well from which your laughter rises were oftentimes filled with your tears. It says, the deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. Oh, interesting. It, it, I, I really like that <clears throat> because, you know, it reminds me that, you know, we have been able to see two parts of life. There are the t days of sorrow, and sometimes that is deep enough and can carve deep enough into our being. But the more that we can understand how bad and how awful sorrow can be, you know, you also appreciate much, much more when things get a little more light and you can understand what it's like to laugh and have fun. You appreciate it more. Yeah, it's just so much richer. The laugh... Uh, the laugh, you know, at a funeral when we're all laughing. I just went to a funeral of a really, really wonderful man, very popular in Salt Lake Valley. And um, to be able to laugh at his life and the funny things that he said and did and the stories that were told, that laughing was such a healing thing for everybody in the audience. because it, And it came from this well of sorrow. So the ones that knew him more profoundly felt differently than maybe the ones that knew him as an acquaintance. But it's almost like you're allowed to get out whatever you've put in. I think people would appreciate I don't know if I, I would hope that, uh, you know, if my funeral ever took place, and uh, I, I would hope that there would be a little bit of, you know, levity, not to the point where, yeah. you know, we're kind of taking away the seriousness of it, but to the point where, you know, I've been to those kind of funerals, too, where yeah. we just appreciate the fact that this person led a wonderful life, and 
allowing ourselves to laugh a little bit. You know, I think it's great. I, I actually like what Mark Twain said. He once said, humor is the great thing. He called it the saving thing. The minute it crops up, all our irritations and resentments slip away, and a sunny spirit takes their place. Mm. Love I it. I like it. Yeah, me too, Matt. We're going to take a break. We're talking with Matt Barkdell, who's a licensed marriage family therapist, a medical family therapist, uh, teaching us the healing powers of humor. We're going to come back with more funny puns and more of Matt Barkdell right after this. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. American industries are relying on NASA inventions to compete in the global marketplace in surprising ways. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Pulaski, Tennessee is a tiny town with less than 9,000 people, but it is the home of Twin City Fans Claridge Company, which is gaining a global reputation thanks to a partnership with NASA. Claridge makes fans and blowers meant to move lots of air efficiently to ventilate tunnels, We're talking big tunnels for railroads and highways and mines. And their little hometown is now about to enter the huge European market with a secret weapon. The secret is an aluminum alloy, MSFC-398, invented by NASA's Marshall Space Center to make super light, super strong rocket motors. NASA then applied the alloy to making automobile engine blocks four times lighter than previous models. Claridge now uses the alloy to make their fans much smaller and more efficient, powerful, Yet lighter, cheaper, and stronger than steel. They are certified to withstand a tunnel fire at over 750 degrees for more than two hours, giving people a better chance to survive. Now the small company from the small town is about to blow away their competition with a little advantage from NASA. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. What song changed my life? There are a lot of songs that have changed my life. It's a totally brutal question to try and answer. Every musician has that one song that changed their life. Join Tony Award winner Lea Salonga, American Idol finalist Brooke White, and more of your favorite artists as they explore their lives before and after they heard that one song that changed everything. Watch The Song That Changed My Life, Monday nights at 7.30 on BYU-TV. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Um, uh, so I'm sitting here looking at Skyboy, and uh, you know, hey Sky, did um, you know what Mozart's doing right now? Right I now, haven't the slightest idea. He's decomposing. Ah, uh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> why, why you act like that's not good? No, no, that no, it's, was it's good. Good. that one was really good. That was really that, good. That's my been my favorite one so and far. And I, I noticed that uh, you were eating, um, you were eating a light bulb. You noticed that? Yeah. I was hoping you wouldn't see. Yeah, no, I did. You must have been going for a light snack. <laughs> anyway, we're here to bring you peace and joy. So what we're trying to do, even though those aren't always funny, I think it's all in the delivery. And what we are trying to do is teach you that humor can be healing. We're talking to Matt Barkdell, who's a licensed marriage family therapist, a medical family therapist. He really does. He works with people that are struggling with medical issues, 
trying to decide how they're going to direct their life, lead their life. And he has found some pretty interesting stuff about the power of humor to heal. Matt, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. You bet. Did you uh, did you um, hear that I before I went into this television or this uh, radio bit, this job as a radio uh, talk show host? Did you know I was going to be a cardiologist? Oh dear, I hope not. Yeah, I was. I just didn't have the wow. heart. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know what, Matt? I'm here all Touché. night. I'm here all Yo, night. Oh, you are you? Yeah, are you? I'm here all night. Try the veal. Um, so, oh boy. Well, what do you call a fly with no wings? Ooh. A flop. A walk. <laughs> I like it. Come on. Come Tell on. me we couldn't do this all day. Come on. Did you come know that on. I we, was going to be a yeah, doctor? I, mean, I, I was going to be a medical doctor. Did you know that? You know, I don't think I did. I did. I just didn't have the patience. No. <laughs> that becomes a problem. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, and, and anyway, I, go. anyway, we got to get going because you got to teach us more. You got to teach. So what's uh, now? Not all humor is appropriate, and you started getting into this earlier. That you know, there's sometimes you just shouldn't be cracking a joke. Well, we right? just need to know exactly when humor or, humor or laughter is not an appropriate response. I mean, there's a time and a season for humor and mirth. I mean, obviously during trauma of any kind of initial, you know, or yeah. the initial stress response, you know, like an exhaust pipe. People need to process these kinds of things. They ought to manage those toxins, you know, and they need to be able to emote. They yeah. need to be able to, I mean, you know, you're thinking about disappointment, shock, sadness, discouragement. You know, allow yourself to go through the natural process of feeling. Yes, it's really okay to feel. It really is. I mean, it really is the uh, response that it needs to happen. Now, down the road, perhaps this is going to be a little bit different, but it should be, uh, I mean, you, you kind of know some people who just kind of are laughy and kind of laugh at everything oh, and yeah. even to the point where you're just thinking okay sir i'm getting a little tired of this yeah it's, uh, getting a little bit on my nerves and maybe yeah. there's a time to there's a time and a season it says in the bible to uh to do certain and things. those are people yeah you can and in the end you don't trust them right if everything's always a joke if they can't go serious um when they need to be serious it's almost like a social faux pas you know they socially and and then we don't trust them, right? We don't want the kid cracking the joke at the inappropriate well, time. No, you're right. It's actually almost like uh, uh, casting your pearls before swine. I mean, pardon the metaphor, but mm-hmm. uh, I think several people use that to a good degree. Where, look, I, if I just know, if I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to open up to you if you're going to, you know, be and have that kind of levity where. And sometimes people do that, and it, sometimes it's almost like a nervous tick. People start discussing things, and people, and, you know, when somebody gets nervous or they're in a setting where it's just not comfortable, they feel like, well, the only thing I know what to do. I kind of call it the Robin Williams approach where, you know, it, it's hard to see him serious. Yeah. You know, because every moment you see him somehow trying to lighten things up, which is good, but like you said, we do need to make sure that it's not done in a way that's offensive. It's done in the right situation, or else, you know, if if that happens a lot, you kind of really have to wonder how much uh, uh, social IQ they have. No, exactly. In fact, I've kind of noticed as I do all these, I do workshops for couples and communication, and when they come in, everyone's so nervous. You know, they they're oh, we're going to go learn how to talk, and we're going to go learn how to resolve conflict, and 
when they come in, I find that if we just laugh, it, mm-hmm. everybody in the room relaxes. And then what I find, once they're kind of relaxed, so we, we laugh, we do some funny things, then I actually shoot I, – I, this is my metaphor. I start shooting truth in. I start shooting ideas and rhetorical questions and learning, and usually I can see them kind of tense up as what they're kind of going through in their head and their mind. And then I find – so they're all tense again. That cortisol is probably back or the cortical serum is back. And then we make mm-hmm. them laugh again. So it's almost like this breathing. They're, they're tightening up, they're con- and then they relax. And they tighten up and they relax. So if we, if we could get the timing of humor down, which is really what I guess the best comedians around get, right. um, it's a real gift, isn't it? Because you can use it to teach. You can use it to edify people. You can use it to relieve the stress. And really, you have more power to influence people. And it's a great trust that all of a sudden when you're able to share some mirth, some humor, you know, we've broken down a barrier. There's nothing better in life to be able to feel confident around somebody when you know that everything doesn't have to be completely serious all the time. You can open up that part of yourself and you you could be in the middle of complete strangers. And if somebody just decide, and you know, having these awkward moments, let me give you one example. Um, I can't remember, uh, you know, there there was a group of ecclesiasts together. I can't remember which religion it was, but uh, they were discussing something very, very heated um, around this huge table, mm. and the ire was getting up, and you know, things were heating up, and uh, you know, and the senior of them was kind of listening in but was kind of keeping quiet and finally everybody threw up their arms and they and they looked to their uh, their senior pastor and said you know so and so what do you think you haven't said anything well what, what do you think about this terrible thing that we're addressing we can't come to grips about this and he just kind of looked down at the floor and you know like he was about to say something profound and then he looked up and said i think i i think i I think I shouldn't have had that second burrito. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that great, though? And you you know what happened to that group is it just immediately, I mean, it's just like a suction just had taken all of that tense uh, moment out. I mean, you could literally feel the tension just drop out. Everybody begins to smile, and everybody just, shrugs their shoulders and just says, oh, my gosh. Oh, it's so good. true. That it's so true. Good. And I can um, – I, I love – I really just do – I medicate myself with it. I'll just go watch a comedy, turn it on, and um, watch a couple episodes of them, and it, it does. It relaxes me. Uh, when we come back, Matt, we're going to get into – I know you've got some great tools or ideas to, to, to kind of start generating at least the, the feelings – the good feelings of humor, even if we can't always get a good laugh. So uh, we'll come back. We'll talk more with Matt Barkdale, licensed marriage family therapist, medical family therapist. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. In such a fast-paced world, 
Isn't it nice to slow down every now and then? Dean Duncan's approach to interviewing isn't about rushing through. He likes to take his time in getting to know his guests. Join us for This'll Take a While, weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. After top GOP lawmakers proposed a plan to avoid the fiscal cliff yesterday, President Obama is reiterating he will not sign any deal that does not raise taxes on the wealthy. The Republican plan would raise federal revenues by closing tax loopholes, which would force the wealthy Americans to pay more but allow them to keep the same low tax rate. The president says he is open to discussing closing loopholes, but avoiding the fiscal cliff has to include a tax increase on the top earners. With President Obama rebutting the latest plan, officials on Capitol Hill are now no closer to a solution to avoid the fiscal cliff, which is now less than a month away. With both the Republican and Democratic plans to avoid the cliff blocked, a bipartisan group of state governors is meeting today with President Obama and other congressional leaders. The focus of the meeting is to discuss the impact deficit reduction measures will have on states' budgets, which rely heavily on federal aid. Federal grants account for almost a third of state budgets in the U.S. Both Democrat Jack Merkel of Delaware and Gary Herbert of Utah are part of the group attending today's meeting. As President Obama prepares for his second term, Republican Senator Chuck Hagel appears to be on the short list to be the next Secretary of Defense. The two men are believed to have met this week to discuss the possibility which would give the president's reshuffling cabinet a more bipartisan feel. So far, there is no indication that President Obama has made a final decision, but he is expected to announce his nominations for both the Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of State positions within the next two weeks. The now baby-crazy British are watching closely as the expecting Kate Middleton spent a second day in the hospital. The Duchess of Cambridge is dealing with a rare and severe form of morning sickness which causes vomiting, nausea, and severe dehydration. Middleton is expected to stay in the hospital for several more days to deal with the condition. This particular form of morning sickness is more commonly found in women having twins, which has sparked a whole new wave of speculation. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. As uh, we've been talking, humor is a great way to shake off the blues because it's so helpful. We decided to give it a little help. Sometimes humor, for the sake of humor, just isn't enough. (laughs) A bad mood can pop up and coat itself on so thick it feels like nothing happy can cut through. So to help humor win the war, I've been thinking. Humor is funnier with friends. Think about the last funny movie you watched. Sit down by yourself. You might get one, maybe two gut busters over the hour and a half. But imagine you'd gotten a crowd of some of your best friends together. Oh, you guys would have been roaring the whole night. Laughter is as contagious as a yawn. And doesn't it just bug you when a TV producer cheats? 
They know their show isn't funny, and they know that group laughter thing works, so they pull out the laugh track. They bring the group to you. And it does kind of work, you know, for instance, Hey, where'd the pirate go to college? Harvard. Hello? Anyone there? Hello? Okay, try this one on. Why can't you play cards on a ship? Because the captain is always standing on the deck. Hey! (laughs) Standing on the deck. (laughs) Cards. Oh, pirate ship. You see, laugh tracks just cover for a bad joke. But thankfully, you can still bring real group laughter therapy to your home and just bag the sitcom altogether. For the first time in the history of mankind, we can all gather around the flat screen TV and watch funny YouTube clips that no Hollywood producers made. Just funny things other normal people have uploaded. You ever been to one of these parties? They're great. Everybody keeps shouting out one of their favorite videos and you search for it. Cats falling off ledges. People tripping on mall escalators. Security camera footage of a lady trying to cheat a parking garage and ended up totaling her Dodge Neon in the process. Hours of laughing, passing by, and it's nearly impossible to leave feeling in a bad mood after one of those parties. Group laughing is great. And it's just one of many different amplification options you have to make humor work better for you. For instance, you could throw a comedy album on your MP3 player and listen to it while you go for a jog. A mixture of the dopamine that comes from steady, motivated exercise plus humor? Oh, it's dynamite! Get together with friends and loved ones and swap funny stories and anecdotes as you drive out of town on vacation. Humor, plus the excitement of something new and breaking routine, getting away from all those daily reminders to feel gloomy. But even as effective as those methods are, sometimes these applications and amplifications do fail, and the humor just can't cut through. I am by no means a psychologist, but I have owned some pretty terrible smelly old cars, and I can tell you, no matter how good the air freshener is, no matter how much Febreze I squirt all over the upholstery, It can't fight the stinky, nasty odor of a rotting slice of pizza that accidentally slid under the front passenger seat. When I'm feeling down, even my most potently funny TV shows can't cut it until I sit down, get out a piece of paper, and try to figure out what's making me sad, and then try to do something to fix it. I like to think of it as removing the slice of pizza and maybe vacuuming out the rest of the car before trying to add the air freshener. Once the stench is gone, or in your case, the pain is gone, the problem's solved, well, then after that, adding laughter is just a supplement. Rob Sanders reporting. Good work, Rob. Uh, really, I mean, that's uh, laugh track. I think that's what we lack on this show. Yeah, it goes a lot better because then that's just people in the studio laughing. It's not a laugh track. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. Hey, uh, did I um, did I ask you? You know, I was going to order the chicken. Oh, uh, but it was foul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it makes me feel so much better. We're coming back now with Matt Barkdale. Matt Barkdale is a licensed marriage family therapist, a medical family therapist, and he is trying to teach us. The Benefits of Humor and Healing 
So, Matt, welcome back. Uh, what What are some more things you've learned as you get into this humor? Try, I mean, you've tried to like convince us that chemically it's going to be good for us, and that there's appropriate times and not to be funny. But how do we do it? Like, if you're out there, if you're a curmudgeon, kind of a grump, how do you turn that person to start seeing the funny? Well, I think those guys need the electric chair, frankly. Yeah, they you might. Know, the curmudgeons, you know, line them up. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You know, it's <clears throat> it, it it really takes it's, there there's an interesting principle in psychology, and uh, I, I like to use it in many instances, but especially in this one, where the it, it's the redundancy in how our brain likes patterns, patterns, patterns. Let's, yeah. You know, go through. I this is my daily routine. I like routine. I like doing. I can. I want to expect something. I want to do something. When something throws off uh, our pattern and our routine, you know, it's it's going to be a crisis. You know, that's the funny thing. Now, this is something that I learned interesting with parents. When parents have a difficult child, um, the because of the child's patternistic, you know brain sequencing, Mm -hmm. what he is going to expect is if he's going to do something bad, he's going to start preparing himself that mom and dad are going to yell at him. Right. Or or they're going to get into this verbal exchange so the child is getting all rallied up and, you know, trying to come up with his best one-liners and, you know, he's all prepared to fight, you know, this natural instinct of, okay, I'm going to protect my territory. Well, what ends up happening is what happens if all of a sudden mom and dad go over to the radio, turn it up full blast, and the two of them just start dancing. Yeah, that'd be weird. Now, the first thing that would happen is, first of all, what the, the normal routine of what would happen is, and what the child is prepared for, they're stumped. Yeah. They don't know what to do. Mom and dad has never done this before. And so it really literally takes our brain for a world to say, no, wait yeah. a minute, I have no response to this. You messed my pattern up. You messed my pattern up. That's what and, people find funny, isn't it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> is the messing of a pattern. I mean, that's, like, that's what I try to teach my kids. If you say something that's the opposite of what everyone thought you were going to say, that ends up becoming funny. So what becomes exactly. funny is if mom and dad go and dance, then that's kind of all of a sudden, what? That's shocking. It's shocking. And you know what? They might go away and say, you guys are the stupidest people in the world. Yeah. But guess what happened? There's Good. no argument. No. You so, know, now, it I, redirected saying, the issue. Yeah, we've redirected the issue. They can smirk and do something like that, but again, they're going to have to think about it a minute and just say, okay, what just happened here? I've got to regroup and figure out. Now, I just used that little example to go back to another principle, and that is, you know, trying to implement uh, something that's a little bit different in our lives. And as far as humor goes, we kind of have to start out a little bit small. You know, again, there's the right circumstances. There's not the right circumstances. But uh, the one thing that always accompanies, that always actually starts at the very beginning of a laugh, is a smile. Yeah. And this, I mean, when I, when I work with people, it's, it's a really interesting thing is, look, let's think about not laughing. Let's think about smiling. What's something to smile about? You know, hearing, you know, looking at an old... Uh, yearbook, and you're looking at all the people and and uh, all the memories you have. You know what? You're not getting a laugh response so much, but you're beginning to smile. Right. 
stress is beginning to come down a little bit. You know, it's nice to remember those things. Sometimes it begins with something as simple as a smile. And it's interesting that smiling is much easier than a laugh. Well, I mean, think of that. You don't even need something funny. You don't need something funny. (laughs) You just have to smile. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, I mean, half the time when something happens, you know, you might kind of just smile and just move on. Yeah. With things, I mean, it's kind of funny because if you actually watch people, you don't get a whole lot of outward chortles. It's more a smile, and you kind of know you got them. Yeah. If I can get a smile out of you, not that I'm forcing it, but if I can get out a smile out of you, I think I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, it seems like in a way, and and the smile may just be an outward indicator that it's already firing the right chemistry, right? So exactly, just the smile alone is a pretty good indicator that uh, something's going to fire on inside. Well, I think of good old Lavelle Edwards out there, you know, on the yeah. on the football field. You know, his uh, you <laughs> he know, had his, that curmudgeon look. Oh yeah, he had that good old curmudgeon look. Oh, it was classic. And <laughs> you know what? Whenever he felt like uh, celebrating something, he always you know shook his fist or he did something different. Yeah. It was never really a smile, but it was something a little bit different. You know that you got him when he got a smile. Oh, yeah. I remember that. I remember, remember the that? play-by-play announcers actually pointing out that, no, Lavelle must be relaxed. He just got a smile out of him. Yeah, exactly. And the minute that went down, that was a pretty magical moment. It was. It was. And some people are just going to be like that, where you know it doesn't have to be an outward chortle, but if you can, or yourself, if you can find yourself smiling, and it's interesting because we don't know when we're smiling. Yeah. We don't know. It's such a natural thing that happens. But if we find ourselves smiling at something, then that's actually a good thing. And it becomes contagious. It seems like all of this humor. It, it, and eventually, if I turn on a funny show and I'm watching it, and then literally I'll give it 15 minutes at my house and I'll have everyone in my family watching. Because oh, they're perfect. all, like, drawn to it. It's like the rats and the Pied Piper. Is that what the story is? And the, they, they just followed the Piper out. I mean, if I got my kids to see something funny and laugh, they're all going to be there. Yeah, I love it. It is contagious. It really is. You do have these, I kind of call it assembly. You know, we, we start to assemble. Yeah. And there's these people with these really magnetic uh, personalities. People are drawn to them uh, because, because of this thing. It. Smiling and laughing and using humor, you know, appropriate humor, doesn't have to be like you're telling a joke. It can just be just this little funny observation or just this little light kind of quip that somebody says. The thing is, is that when people have the talent of doing that, it adds hope to people's life. All of a sudden, the day-to-day responsibilities I have is a little bit lighter now. Just because I was able, it doesn't change so much in your environment as far as what you still have to do. It's just, well, maybe I have a little more energy now that all the energy I was reserving for my stress, I've been able to free up a little bit where I can now breathe and I can now move about doing those things. If you ever want, I mean, tech with caffeinated drinks and to, uh, you know, those pills that you take that uh, gives you energy, it's, it's incredible what happens when we're around a social group or we're around other people, or in a meeting, where we're just able to find times and appropriate times and the best times to implement the what I call the art of not taking ourselves so seriously. Oh, I love that. Life's too, life's too intense anyway, isn't it? Well, it is. 
it mean, seems like you know yeah. a, a little break <laughs> here and there. And it's also I the other thing I guess that's key that we probably ought to be thinking of is it's teachable. I mean, I've noticed that my kids uh, get humor, and I, it's probably because of their mother. <laughs> I don't want to take any credit for it, but my, my wife has helped my children deal with me, and my kids get my humor. And um, I, then their friends will come over, and I'll crack the exact same joke that I would crack with my family. And he, they'll look at me with just crickets, cricketing, like you're weird. And uh, it's something we teach our kids: uh, how we take ourselves, how we take what happens to us, how we learn to cope with stress. Um, those are trained things, too, right? Oh, they are. Yeah. No, it's what's modeled to you. It's what's modeled. If you're in a home where it's just very, very serious and things are, you know, certain ways, then it's not as natural. Yeah. Or sometimes it's kind of socially awkward for somebody to kind of see somebody doing something that they're just plain not used to. But uh, I'm, I'm just an advocate for when we go through our crucibles in life, even the more difficult ones, is to find a moment, and sometimes I do it by, you know, maybe there's this funny YouTube video I heard about, or maybe there's just something that is just a little more light, uh, just to kind of ease the stress where I can just smile a little bit more. But every time I do that, I always come back, and I always feel like, and I don't think this is just me, but I think it really has to do with a lot of people and just how we are made as, you know, with our bodies where we're able to find ways to do it. I mean, I enjoyed Marjorie and um, uh, President Hinckley of the LDS Church, where they, on many occasions, were able to use that art of, yeah. um, of humor in the most crazy... I remember at one little story that I was, uh, you know, several years ago, where... They were um, participating in some kind of meeting, but it was outdoors. I think it was a Tabernacle Choir concert, possibly. I can't remember where it was exactly. But it was blowing. It was cold. It was freezing. You know, and delightful Gordon B. Hinckley stands up to make some remarks, and he just starts (laughs) going off on one pun after another pun, you know, where much, you know, Many are cold, but few are frozen. You know, yeah. he just decided just to launch it all out, and it just warmed the audience. Oh, uh, I, love that. I remember one person saying that, but you know, he was able to have a fine art of being able to make sure that people still understood him as a man who, you know, has the same culpabilities and the stressors that we do, but finds time and finds places where we can laugh. I love it. I really think I think you're onto it, Matt. Um, we're going to wrap it up, but I appreciate you joining us. Uh, seriously, it's, it is important to know just the benefits of humor and the appropriate time to bring it. Smiling is such a great idea that you've taught us. So I appreciate all you've given us. And again, we're going to have to have you back to pick your brain on another topic. We're having fun. Feel free to. I, I enjoy being with you and uh, love your crew. You guys do a wonderful job. Keep it up. They're kind of crazy, but we well, love them. Thank That's you. Good. Matt Barkdell, licensed marriage family therapist, medical family therapist. So gra- so grateful for, for you to to step with us here and, and give us some of your insight. Now, as we go to break, uh, we're going to go back to Studio C, which is from BYU TV. Uh, again, it's just a uh, it's kind of an ensemble group that uh, they're actors and they do some improv skits and sketches. But this sketch is called Amish Go Green, where they go inside 
inside a hand-built church in Pennsylvania where a group of Amish people are gathering for a morning community meeting. Before we get to our daily barn raising and our quality quilt making... Brothers and sisters, the earth is changing, and we must alter our habits before it is too late. We need to go green. Uh, I'm afraid we don't understand, Brother Climate change! We have to reduce our carbon footprint or our children will never see polar bears. Brother Jebediah, what do you propose we do? We don't even use electricity. Well, how did you all get to this meeting today? We walk, because we don't drive cars. Ah, but walking produces friction, and friction creates heat. (laughs) Your cavalier walking habits are raising the temperature of the entire world. But how do you go more green than walking? You can't. Well, that's exactly my point. No, I mean you can't walk. If we would stop walking, we could eliminate 0.05% of friction-based heat. And that's a conservative estimate. Using microscopes to spot disease is common, but can we spot diseases from 200 miles up in space? This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Satellite imagery has been used in common and uncommon ways for years. Weather tracking and monitoring crop growth and deforestation are well-known jobs done by satellites. Even uncovering lost cities and jungles and deserts for archaeologists is not all that surprising. But can such imagery also be used for medical diagnosis? That was the idea behind a research project conducted by scientists at Princeton University, searching for patterns in epidemics and their spread in the city of Naimi, in the central West African country of Niger. Using night images from a weather satellite, the Princeton team was able to match the change of brightness in city lights with the changes in migrant populations of seasonal workers, and with statistics on seasonal measles outbreaks. Measles affects nearly 60,000 people a year in Niger, so managing the epidemic is critical. The statistics from these images lets health officials know when the peak season for measles is approaching, so they can plan and time the start of vaccination efforts better and more effectively. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back, everybody. We're wrapping up this show on humor and the healing benefits of a good laugh now and then. Uh, Now... Who better to wrap up the show than Bryce Tobin? He's back with his rants to give us a little advice on when it's appropriate to start joking around. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. Have you ever heard the saying, look before you leap? Well, I would modify that to say, think before you joke. So here it is. It's the seven worst times and places to tell a joke. Fat jokes are pretty funny, right? Well, have you ever told one to a group of people only to realize your overweight friend is also in the group? Yeah, classy, right? So everyone starts laughing and then all at the same time they realize and simultaneously stop laughing. But you didn't tell the joke because you're inconsiderate. You actually have a really good reason. It's because you're a pretty good person and you see your friend and the good person that he is. But will this redeem you? Nope, the damage has been done. 
Guns are pretty prevalent in our culture, and if you watch cartoons, you know that explosions can be pretty funny. But do you want to know where jokes and funny anecdotes about guns and or explosions are not even almost funny? At the airport. This has happened to all of us, or maybe just to me, whatever. You're waiting at your gate, and to kill time due to your delayed flight, you start telling a story, and you eventually get to a part about a bomb. And then it hits you. I just talked about a bomb, and I'm at the airport. What if someone heard me? Am I gonna die now? So then the rest of your airport time is spent in utter paranoia. High five. Or then there's Holocaust jokes. I'm pretty sure these will never be funny. Like, you know when you mess something up royally, you can eventually look back and laugh at the whole situation? Yeah, I don't think this is gonna be one of those things. Or there's jokes to immigration authorities. Whether it's at the airport or a border checkpoint, once it's your turn to get checked, this is not the time to make a joke. I don't care how long you've been waiting, I don't care if you think it'll lift the employee's spirits, because it won't. It'll just draw attention to you, and this is not the place for that. And I don't care how funny you think you are. If you make any of us wait any longer than we have to due to your pointless shenanigans, I just might consider forming an angry mob that'll come after you. Blonde jokes are always dangerous. First off, they're always a little sexist, and this is never a good start. But women are constantly changing their hair color. But they don't always change their sensitivities, especially if they think they can use it to guilt trip someone. Never mind the fact that her hair hasn't been blonde in decades. It's just not worth it to ever make these jokes because you're just gonna get yourself in trouble. And I also think there should be a six-month moratorium on jokes after someone dies. Here's why. So a while back, my grandmother died. In her will, she requested that her body be cremated and taken into the desert to be scattered. Well, there's an irreverent movie from the 90s in which some people are put in a similar situation. These guys have to go out on a cliff to scatter their friend's ashes into the ocean. But there's one problem. Once they're there, it's windy. And when they go to actually scatter the ashes, the wind blows it everywhere, especially in their faces. When I heard about what they were going to do for my grandmother, I almost couldn't stop myself from sending my mom a video clip of that scene. Needless to say, she didn't find it as funny as I did. Well played, I know. And a runner-up that is more a personal pet peeve of mine, if you make a joke and it flops, the next 10 minutes have now become the wrong time for you to tell a joke. In fact, let's just be safe and not try again for another hour. The worst thing you can do is attempt a joke, watch it flop, and then keep trying in the hopes that one will work. But it won't, and even if you do say something funny, most of us will probably decide not to laugh, just to teach you a lesson. Alright, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Bryce Tobin, another great rant, sprinkling the ashes of his grandmother. He brought that up. Um, Humor. You know what? I love it. It makes me laugh. I really think it's a powerful tool, and I've seen it as as really a powerful tool, working with couples, uh, dealing with their trials, some of the most difficult things we deal with. I remember going um, to a funeral as about a 21-year-old kid not having a clue what to say. What do you say when your good friend uh, at the age of 21 has passed away and we met at the casket, talked to the family, and all of these 21-year-old guys were just kind of freaked out. Their their buddy had just dropped dead um, playing sports with a bunch of friends. And I didn't know what to say. And when words didn't work, we just kind of sat there and we cried and we had a great moment of, of being real with each other. Then the family asked us, maybe not knowing what they were asking us to do, to take about 10 of us back into a back room at the cemetery, the mortuary, and they gave us an audio recorder, and we sat there for about two hours during the viewing of this man, and we did nothing but tell laughs and stories and jokes, and we laughed our heads off. For two hours, we were laughing in the background while they were having the viewing of this boy. And 
you know, I didn't think much about it. I just knew it was really good for me and for these 10 guys. It was a great way that we all healed. And a little while ago, I saw this, the brother of this boy that had passed away. And he told me, he says, you know, every uh, year on this boy's birthday, our family gathers together and we don't have much of a memory of what happened at the um, at his funeral and things like that. But what we do have is an audio tape of 10 of his friends telling all of the great stories about the boy. And he says, as a family, we all laugh our heads off and we get to kind of reconnect and re-mourn in a way and re-heal. And he says, if we didn't have that tape, our family would really still be mourning. So there is huge, uh, there are huge benefits to uh, to humor. We've got to use it appropriately. Uh, a, a joke that I'll never forget was what uh, Ronald Reagan said to his wife, Nancy. Now imagine knowing her, knowing the pain she must be going through, the fear of thinking this is right after he had been uh, had the assassination attempt. She looks up to his wife. He says, honey, I forgot to duck. Uh, humor. It can help. It can heal. I challenge you. Will you go try to make it a better day by finding the humor in life? Also, if you don't have any, then just smile and uh, go to YouTube or go find a good show to watch. You can also go to BYU TV. Check out more on Studio C at BYU TV every Monday night. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow to lift your life and to let you see the better things in the world. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. 